0: Hello and welcome to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. My name is Sierra and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. From my crazy life to yours, it's time to share our experiences and get into those gritty details. Let's get into it hello and welcome to the real talk with pillow talk studios today we have one of our 2023 2024 brand ambassadors we have andrea here and we're going to be going over her life story up until now so from growing up in cape town moving to canada finding a whole new lifestyle and to current day we're gonna dive right in so we're gonna start from the beginning all the way back to your childhood (laughs) you grew up in a completely different country and with very different beliefs and a different lifestyle than you currently do so do you mind expanding on this?
1: Yeah I grew up in uh, Cape Town South Africa and in a very religious household my entire family was Anglican. If you know anything about that they're like not as strict as Catholic but still super strict. Mm-hmm. We grew up attending church every weekend we would always see like family there and my uncles and cousins were involved in the church so it was like a huge part of like my childhood and growing up in a positive way or it was then i even went to like a private school and we had like religion classes and stuff so it was very much all-encompassing in my life i guess
0: yeah and it was just the norm and you didn't know what you did yeah right there was one thing in your household that was
1: never talked about can you share about this? Definitely. So, sex and like puberty were never talked about in my household. It was very much taboo. Obviously, when you're growing up in like such a religious upbringing, even in school, we didn't really have sexual health in uh, biology classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because I remember it was like Y2K
0: <laughs> just a little while ago. And, yeah. <laughs>
1: And we were over at my uncle's house and we were having this huge barbecue because, of course, everybody thought it was, like, the end of the world. And I remember <laughs> yeah. Because <Yeah. laughs> obviously, like, who better to spend it with than family? Yeah. And, like, I vaguely remember waking up in the middle of the night with, like, my hand down my pants. And, like, it was followed by, like, this sense of like so much shame and embarrassment Mm -hmm. because the kids were asleep. Like we were all like asleep in the same room and the adults were still up and around. And I was like, Oh my God, like, what if like my mom or like my aunt walks in and like sees sees this?
0: Yeah. Like, how are you going to like get yourself out of this? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I was like, what excuse like would I come up with?
0: So you were pretty fascinated by sex and stuff right (laughs) I
1: was yeah and like I think it started from that point like it was Mm -hmm. a very unconscious move like action but I was still like it woke me up like out of his sleep
0: that's a really good way of putting it yeah (laughs) you had one little note for me on the info sheet that you gave me before the podcast and it talked a little bit about periods too so I wouldn't mind talking about that because I feel like it's
1: something that still isn't talked about enough, and mm-hmm. I feel like we need to more. So yeah, I feel <laughs> like there's still this whole like stigma and shame around periods when it's so very natural. It's a h- normal human bodily function. function. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, growing up, uh, there was like one talk about puberty, and it was, "Hey, you're coming up to that age. You might notice like." it's you're not you're not dying yeah (laughs) and it was like and that was it there is no like your hormones might be changing you might like experience like these mood swings because and you're going into teenagehood too so it's all so much and so overwhelming and there was no like conversation around that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and because of like the shame and the stigma around periods, it was like I couldn't talk to anybody
2: mm-hmm.
1: about it, and I always had to hide it from my family when like it was that time of month and like mm-hmm. bury it right like at the bottom of the garbage can. And it was like I would constantly be checking like throughout the day, like going to the bathroom and like checking my pants and making sure there was no or like anything, anything, yeah, even in school. Like it was, if boys found out you had your period, you were like this bad like
0: made fun of yeah too. yeah for a perfectly human function right yeah. <laughs> yeah and I still feel like it is that way to an extent like with my friends and stuff we definitely talk about it like some of my friends will text me one day and be like I'm dying I want my period and I'm like I know what you mean like <laughs> right? I 100% understand it but when you're young and like if your friends aren't going through the same thing. And you don't talk about it. How are you supposed to know if your friends have gotten it or not? Or like what's normal, what's not normal?
1: And I developed early. Mm -hmm. Like I remember being 10, 11 and being more curvier and developed than my friends. Mm -hmm. And like not knowing, like I've never seen them with like pads or tampons in their bags or whatever. So I never knew if they were on that same level mm-hmm. or not and how do you approach that conversation when you're that age i don't know
0: because like i even remember hiding pads like so carefully like in my backpack even right. like in like a pencil case with stuff on top of it yeah. and like if i went to the bathroom to like open a pad oh my god it was like it's op- like that rip yeah like, oh. and like
1: ah, ah someone's gonna hear someone's gonna know and like <laughs>
0: It shouldn't have been like that. Yeah. So yeah. Even now
1: to this day, when I have to take a tampon out of my purse, I'm like hide, like, putting it under my shirt sleeve and like trying to hide it. Yeah. But
0: why? I I think it's just the culture that unfortunately, like, we still live in. Like, if you're around like your close friends and stuff, it's probably like, hey, give me a tampon. But in an office setting, you're not just gonna like pull it out of your bag and be like, yes, I have one when you were 12 you actually immigrated to Canada and you remember at this point in your life you lost a lot of things including stability do you mind telling us a bit about that
1: yeah so it was right after my 12th birthday actually we moved and coming from the other side of the world it was middle of summer plus 38 40 degree weather mm-hmm. uh, we were we moved to Toronto and we landed in negative like 25 that was like one of the coldest winters Toronto had seen and like the biggest snowstorms that they had seen like up to that point. Um, Oh my gosh. So not only did I just lose my whole like support system, my family, friends, schooling even at that point, Mm -hmm. but the weather changed. I was always a summer baby. I loved going to the pool, going spending days at the beach picnics on the mountain and now I'm like stuck in this cold house with like snowbanks the same size as me yeah <laughs> and you probably didn't even want to like interact with the outdoors at no, all no hey? I hated it my yeah. <laughs> I remember my parents made us walk to the mall because it was just down the street in fact, just down the street from them is, like, a 20-minute walk. I was just
0: going to say, in minus 25, if there's, like, wind chill, anything like that, you are done. Yeah. yeah. And I remember
1: being so bundled up, and I was like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. It's so stupid. I want to go home. Yeah. And, like, my parents are just like, give it, like, a bit. Like, it's not that bad. Like, it'll get better. You get used to it. Still not used to it.
2: Really? It's been, like,
1: 24 years. Oh 22 years, actually. Yeah. And I still hate the winter. Yeah so bad and I think it stemmed from that like being forced into a country that I didn't want to go to at that time like I was happy being in Cape Town surrounded by like family Mm -hmm. even though like I didn't know it at the time but like I was so oppressed right and like didn't feel like I could be myself like that realization came later but Mm -hmm. yeah I hated it so much (laughs)
0: did things like when did you start feeling a little bit more at home like did you ever
1: feel at home in Toronto or not really and not really mm-hmm. the first time I ever truly felt at home in Canada was when I moved to BC for school right about 16 years ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't know if that had to do with having that physical distance from family mm-hmm. or just like the weather was similar because you just felt a little bit more at home
0: yeah yeah no that's cool when you moved to canada and you were at the ripe age of 12 you started doing some reading (laughs) in secret and how did you get into this and what did you learn from this well
1: i was looking for a way to kind of pull my deal with the cold Mm -hmm. because Even at that age, I had a very high sense of self-awareness and I could feel myself like pulling back Mm -hmm. and slipping into kind of a depression. So I went into my mom's room one time and she had a stack of books by her bed and I was like, oh, this sounds good. So I took it and I read it and it was my first Daniel Steele book. It was, I can't even remember the name, Far From Home or something, something home. I feel like she has a lot of books, so if you don't remember what the title yeah. is okay. <laughs> right. And I feel like that started my love and fascination of reading. Mm-hmm. Cause I could get lost in this fantasy world for however long it took and like reality didn't exist. Right, yeah.
0: Um and then in these books as well, I mean there was a lot of sex, yeah. <laughs> and again this kind of goes into your already fascination with it right yeah so did it kind of like I mean awaken your imagination a little bit more it
1: did and the funny thing is is that I'm just remembering now between that period of Y2K and moving to Toronto I pushed those sort those thoughts from my mind so hard that I kind of just forgot and then picking up those books it was like a spark was reignited. Right. And it's so funny because people would tell me that like Danielle Steele isn't that bad. It's like, or not the opposite actually, that like she's so like spicy. and But then I started reading Connie Mason at 13, 14. <laughs> yeah. And Connie Mason is like pure smut.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like is she, yeah. Danielle who?
0: <laughs> it's funny. I actually talked to a friend recently about, Books that we read at the time in high school, and like honestly, like I can't pick anything off the top of my head, but there were some very spicy moments in a lot of these books, and oh. our parents just thought we were bookworms. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know, <laughs> yeah, what was actually going on. But and <laughs> Andrea and I had a conversation off the mic before starting this about the books and everything, and how you know like I remember my mom reading these books and I remember my mom trading these books with my Oma (laughs) and I remember other adults in my life reading these things Mm -hmm. like just out in the open and it doesn't have to be this like secret right of what we're reading it doesn't have to be at all (laughs) I feel
1: like it teaches us so much about ourselves and what we like and enjoy and Mm -hmm. like where else are we going to get that Education and that realization
0: well and that's how people start watching porn which like right there's so many different genres of porn and everything too but of course there's a lot of not great things in it as well Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of I mean unfortunately a lot of people learn incorrect incorrect things and even bad consent and yeah exactly horrible ways to be treated so yeah no I think that learning from a book and getting these ideas in your head and being like wait a second Mm -hmm. that sounds kind (laughs) of good
1: it's funny because like one of my favorite connie mason books is called my lady vixen Mm -hmm. it's about like these pirates but there are some very questionable consent scenes in there yeah and like at the time i was like oh that's like kind of cool yeah looking back on that maybe not really but that was the book that my mom actually caught me reading. Mm-hmm. And I was like ready for her to like yell at me and tell me that I could never read these books again. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: she had one rule if I was gonna read them because she knew I'd do it without like You'd find a way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that I couldn't take the books out of the house. Fair. They had to stay inside the house. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so I would stay up until three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> reading these books, and then have to get out for school at, like, 6.30. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how we functioned on that,
0: because I remember even just, like, staying up late, like, with friends, like, talking to them on Skype and stuff. And, yeah, I don't know how we functioned with, like, no sleep. And even reading, too. Like, I, I remember... I can't even remember. I think it might have even been, like, the fault in our stars or something. Like, so cliche. But I remember staying up so late to read it and, like, bawling my eyes out of bed and, like, waking
1: up with sore eyes in the morning. (laughs) And, like, the biggest headache ever. Yes. That was me during Hunger Games. I read the entire series in a weekend. Oh, my God. (laughs) Your poor
0: eyes.
1: (laughs) I had, like, the biggest migraine after that weekend. And it took me forever to recover. Now, if I stay up late, Mm -hmm. like, it takes me days to like get that sleep
0: (laughs) yeah and i even that's so funny i even remember in the hunger games and i was kind of on the hunger games train before they were the movies yeah Yeah. way before they were mainstream like i remember waiting for like the second and third books to come out like that's how long ago i read them and when i was in college i think a friend of mine in college was like wanting to read them before the movies came out so yeah, it was 2012. Wow. This is like a long time ago. So I, I think I gave it to her or she borrowed it from someone else. And I remember her texting me being like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Are PETA and Katniss going to bone? And like- <laughs> Honestly, I thought the same. I was like waiting for it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, they kind of
1: like implied that like, right, I mean, Katniss they, build was pregnant. It up. they
0: build it up, they build it up, all of this tension and then nothing happened. And it was so disappointing. It's kind of the
1: same with that Divergent series. Like, they build up Tris and Four Mm -hmm. so much that you're like, okay, something has to happen, but it doesn't. Just because it's young adult fiction, and they
0: can't actually say that, but they can imply a pregnancy. That's okay. Right? (laughs) They could have just said, I mean, it's funny, because, like, in... I was a pretty big fan of John Green, like, in high school and stuff, and he had sex scenes in his books but they were very very. it was just implied that like it happened kind it's of kinda like the Nicholas Sparks type yes <laughs> <laughs> which isn't bad but again like it does it, it I remember like it's sparking something in me and being like oh my god like I'm reading this right now mm-hmm. like am I gonna get in trouble for this right. but I do remember too like my mom's like can I read that after you and me being like no no you shouldn't I don't know and she's like well I've heard a lot about this Hunger Games series and I'm like I
1: guess so like here you go and then you're like waiting for when she gets to that part yeah Yeah. I think I
0: was more nervous about (laughs) Breaking Dawn (laughs) like the Twilight series because like they do like they talk about it in there and like obviously in the movie like they show the bed breaking and stuff and Bella being
1: like really hurt in the morning and then Well, that scene even before the bed breaks. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Like, it was very artistically done and very well done.
0: I was, yeah, very nervous. And I think my mom and I, yeah, we totally did. We went to the movie together. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to watch this with her. My mom. (laughs) (laughs) So embarrassed. But it shouldn't be. Right. It really shouldn't be. And I don't know how all of that stuff is being brought up with like kids these days but I hope it's a little bit more open right than what we had
1: rather than like we all just read the same things and never talk about it <laughs> and feel like this huge thing of like shame and reading those books and those scenes like it does like spark something like you do get like bit turned on or like mm-hmm. you know you're wondering hey that sounds good I might want to try that one day and society still like yes sex sells but like talking about it is with to your family, yeah,
0: yeah, and it shouldn't be. No, <laughs> at this point, as well, your family was kind of laying off on the going to church thing. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel like you were losing something, or did you feel you were gaining a new freedom?
1: I'm not quite sure. It honestly felt like indifferent,
0: hmm, just kind of neutral,
1: yeah, huh. because. Even though we weren't going every weekend like we had been and like, we're no longer like involved in the church, mm-hmm. like lay ministers. <clears throat> I still have uncles who are lay ministers in the Anglican oh, church. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we were going like holiday Christians.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> like, Christmas and Easter. Easter, yeah. yeah. The, twice <laughs> a year. Um, Make your appearance and, and run. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shake hands
1: with the right people.
0: Yes. Um. <laughs>
1: yeah so it didn't really feel all that different even though like it wasn't super strict Mm -hmm. um anymore and I think maybe my dad had helped with that because like he would be the one that would decide if we were going to church that weekend or not right so it would be like please say no please say (laughs) um if you said
0: yes you were like (laughs) ah
1: right because then it's like okay like I have to like look nice and like appease people appease people and sit there and like be the good Mm -hmm. daughter and like make sure my brother was behaving Mm -hmm. pretend you were interested Mm -hmm. try not to fall asleep (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah and it was funny because like even though we're only twice a year church people my parents still wanted me to go to confirmation Interesting. So I did. I joined the youth group because they wanted me to be confirmed. And I think it was more to do with family back home. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be like, hey, like this is what our family is doing. Like we're still keeping up with Mm
2: -hmm. the church
1: and stuff. And this is what our daughter is doing. She's going through confirmation. And Mm -hmm. I was also the firstborn and the daughter. So there is a lot more pressure. Yes. To be perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas my brother was free to
0: do whatever, do whatever he yeah. wanted. Yeah. So I was just about to ask if that was kind of how it was. Like, what did he get to do that you didn't get to do? Yeah.
1: Like, he got to be a kid and, like, go out with his friends. And on Sunday mornings, I had to, like, be at youth group. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Wednesday nights after school.
0: Yeah. It was like a whole commitment. Yeah. That you didn't actually sign up for yourself. Yeah. Hmm even though the religious aspect of your family was dwindling away, there was still never talks about sex or periods. And there is just still like so much stigma
1: around Mm -hmm.
0: these topics. So do you want to tell us about the lengths you went to, to cover up your period in particular?
1: Yeah. Well, like we talked about before, like shoving those pads, like all the way down to the bottom of the garbage can Mm -hmm. or like, like putting it, my, the tampons in my sleeves. Yeah. Nobody would see. And like, just covering up the fact that I was in pain yeah like so much pain like I had to like put on a smile and pretend everything was good Mm where I'm like dying inside like this might be TMI but it felt like my insides were being ripped
0: yeah I totally resonate with that yeah and at that point too I don't know if you were ever offered any pain management but i wasn't no a friend of mine at school one time offered me ibuprofen and it like took the edge off like i have really bad periods and i know you do as well and i find that like (laughs) ibuprofen like it just like it doesn't work it doesn't really work that well like it helps maybe a little bit with just like the tiniest bit of relief and that's what i got from it so i started like taking it at home because my parents would just buy like the costco like giant like 500 bucks. like who's gonna notice if one's missing and but that was never offered to me yeah and I didn't understand that I didn't have
1: to suffer right yeah the only thing that was offered to me was a hot water bottle yeah and I find that doesn't do anything for me no I mean my (laughs) heating pad it does and it doesn't Mm -hmm. it does better than the hot water bottle yeah and I'm talking about like those big plastic ones like you're talking about yeah (laughs) That was the only thing offered,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't even know that I could take Advil and Tylenol together mm-hmm. for period pain until yeah. I was like in my sophomore junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and very recently, I discovered Naproxen. Yes, that it helps a lot better,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it also raises my blood sugar. Oh yes, yeah. so I guess so. that's something to mention is that you are diabetic, so yeah. there
0: are I mean, pros and cons do a lot of things, mm-hmm. especially medication-wise yeah. in your life. And I'm sure it's like, do you want to take the gamble that day? Um, do I
1: want to like inject more insulin today, mm-hmm. or am I just gonna deal with the pain? Mm-hmm. Which isn't really like fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, <laughs> and not only my blood sugar, but like it also raises your blood pressure. Yes. So, and my doctor was like, you can take it, but don't take a lot. I was like, well, what else is there? Because nothing else is touching it. No. So, yeah, and like, there wasn't that option of, like, skipping school because I was in so much pain. No. It was like, nope, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. If it's you're... the
0: whole, every woman goes through this. hmm And then finding out later on, another, I mean, quick off-mic conversation that we had was, you actually aren't supposed to have pain. That much pain. That much pain. Yeah. A little cramping is normal. Mm-hmm. You know, moodiness, <laughs> the hormone change, that's all normal. But you shouldn't, <clears throat> excuse me, feel like dying.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be like that. No. And I also, again, a little TMI, but passing blood clots is not normal either. No. And I remember my very first period, I had my first blood clot and I literally thought I was dying. Yeah. But like, who do you tell when you don't talk about it with your family? There is no one to tell. There is nobody. No. And like, you can't make your own doctor's appointment.
0: No. <laughs> or if, if the other thing too, is if you think it's normal, you're not going to go to a
1: doctor and talk Again, about it. you right. No. <laughs> and like, if you're never told that it's not normal, mm-hmm. your brain is just like, oh, like this is my first period. This must be normal. Right, and then every one after that, it's like gets. It feels more normal, and you know, Mm -hmm. like what to expect.
0: Did it take you years to regulate a period too? Like, did you have like really crazy ones at first too? Or my ones have always been like super heavy. Mm
1: -hmm. Again, (laughs) this is just a whole bunch. There should be like a TMI. TMI.
0: (laughs) Maybe I'll add that at the beginning. If you don't like talking about (laughs) all of this stuff,
1: don't listen. Right. But it needs to be talked about, I feel like. So every period I go through super plus or one of the bigger ones, every one to two hours, Mm -hmm. plus an overnight pad. Mm -hmm. And if I don't set my alarm to change it every two hours, I will leak through everything. Yeah. And again, that is not
0: normal. (laughs) No, you shouldn't feel like you're literally bleeding out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy, but I still feel like, yeah, there's just like this stigma around talking about it, mm-hmm. and I don't quite know, maybe a listener can email in or something and talk about it, I don't quite know what the steps are. Like, are the steps to be taken with us? Like, I I know that part of it is us talking about it right now, and I Mm -hmm. think it's really important, even just on social media. And if you're a member of the Facebook group or if you identify as female and non-binary, or we have actually quite a few, like, gay males in the group as well, Mm -hmm. just to talk about it in the group, because I feel like there's a lot of people that could really learn a lot from just like one person
1: talking about their right. experiences yeah but I also feel it starts with us as parents yes it's our generation like we had to hide and cover up so much mm-hmm. and I feel like if we continue that we're doing our kids such a disservice yeah absolutely because like if we don't teach them they're gonna learn from their friends mm-hmm. and where do their friends get that information from the internet probably porn sites
0: <clears throat> yep yeah, right. I just saw a Reddit post a couple weeks ago, and it was basically about a woman whose niece stayed over at her house, and she noticed after she got up in the morning that there was be- le- uh, sorry, blood on the sheet, mm-hmm. and she mentioned to her mom, like, hey, like so-and-so, I don't know if like you know she has her period or whatever, but she bled onto the sheet, and it was quite significant, like, you need to talk to her about it. And the mom got really mad about it. And the comments were so 50-50 about, is she the asshole for telling her sister that her niece got her period and it looked like it was pretty bad. And other people were like, you shouldn't have said anything. And I wish that, looking back at my, you know, 11, 12, 13-year-old self, that... I knew what was normal and what wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And I wish that somebody would have helped with that. And I'm not blaming my parents at all for not talking about it right. because it's what they knew. Yeah. What they were growing up with. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just feel like now is the time to, to correct that, to correct it and make it more normal. So early we touched a little bit about development and you developed a lot faster than a lot of your classmates and, I mean, in ways I did too, so I can definitely resonate with that. What did you do to try to blend in to hide the boobs and the
1: butt? <laughs> <laughs> I wore a lot of sweaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even in high school, I middle of summer, I'd be in a sweater, and like I tied a lot of sweaters around my waist to hide my butt. But the thing is, is that when you develop so early, I was. I can't remember if I was like 10 or 11 when I Mm -hmm. went from nothing to having like double Ds. (laughs) And there are no shirts when you're that age that are big boob friendly. They're all made for... I don't know how to say that. Like, normal? (laughs) What is normal size? I feel
0: like a lot of people, we're not that different in age. You were probably put in business casual when you were like 12, hey? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i remember i think i was probably 12 when this started happening and i i, I love these trips but don't get me wrong now i look back and it, it's quite funny um i remember like starting to get like armpit hair and like not knowing how to like ask for a razor or something mm-hmm. but my oma at that point started taking me for shopping trips for my birthday so my birthday is in may so we would go on these shopping trips and i would do everything in my power to try to find something that had a bit of a sleeve right so i could like try to hide the pit hair right (laughs) like all of these little things and like just to cover up and i wore like a t-shirt in the pool one year my parents have a pool in their backyard and i did that to cover up the fact that i had armpit hair that i had boobs growing and i didn't like how my boobs looked in made for 12 year old bathing suits yeah because i had the little nubbins and they
1: stuck out yeah and i was embarrassed by it yeah. i i think that's part of where my body dysmorphia started absolutely because where i would wear a t-shirt under over my swimsuit
2: mm-hmm.
1: every time mm-hmm. even like school trips i was always in a t-shirt i was over in my my swimsuit. Own backyard. Yeah, with friends, and I didn't want to wear mm-hmm. a regular swimsuit, and yeah. I always had this fear of like if I didn't, I would spill out, and I didn't want to start shopping in the adult section because then you're like, that's even more taboo, right? Like, yeah, your twelve-year-old kid buying an adult swimsuit, why? Yeah. And then you're kind of seen as, oh, you want to be more sexual. Well, mm-hmm. no. Like, I just want to feel comfortable. You just want something that fits your body. I feel like that's a lot, like, where that stemmed from. Mm-hmm. No, I completely
0: feel you there. And I also remember with those shopping trips, my own being like, okay, and now we're going to go to the Bay, and then we're going to go to Tabby. And
1: Tabby was, like... Like, the older yes! style. Yeah. <laughs> This, my aunt would buy me sweaters from there, and I'd be like, "Do I have to?" I know, I know.
0: And I remember I got a pair of like jean capris there, and they were okay because they were just like regular denim jean capris, right. and they fit. And I remember it was me, my oma, and a bunch of other like sixty something year old women, <laughs> and here I am, twelve years old, just being like, "What do you mean? Like I have to shop here right? and buy these things?" And like. Thank God they had a couple things that fit me, but a lot of it was. It was like granny clothes and business casual yeah and there's like a whole side of tiktok of like your parents didn't know how to dress you when you were developing
1: young and so they put you into business casual yeah and then you're like hoping that none of your classmates walk by and like see you in the store it was a different time nightmares
0: (laughs) in the 2000s you discovered some online chat rooms and instant messengers what was your teenage self doing on these (laughs) platforms
1: I honestly don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back at it, I was like, how did I end up on this? Yeah. Probably a a curious Google search. Or maybe, it was like MSN and AOL back then. And I think it popped up with like different like chat room suggestions. (laughs) Sexy singles near you. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I think I clicked on it one day and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is interesting. And of course, like you have to be over 18 whatever. And I was like choosing the wrong birth year yeah it wasn't that hard (laughs) no like they're not gonna verify it no yeah so I started getting into those chat rooms when my parents weren't home like after school and on weekends hindsight looking back I'm like that was a stupid idea because my dad worked IT, and he had a program on his on our computer and his work computer where he could hack into our home computer yeah whenever to grab like a work document Mm -hmm. so I always like wondered if he knew (laughs) I feel like he would have said something right yeah (laughs) and then I mean of course if you've been in those chat rooms you know that they turn very sexual Mm -hmm. very predatory behavior Mm -hmm. but at the time I was reading these books and I was very curious and it was an outlet yeah And there was somebody that, like, cared. Yeah. That's a big thing
0: with chat rooms. And I'm not trying to, like, say that this was, like, a grooming situation. Because, like, obviously the people you were talking to did not know you were, like, 13 (laughs) years old. But in a previous episode with one of my other brand ambassadors, Mackenzie, we talked about how it is, it's totally predatory behavior. Mm -hmm. And you can meet someone one day and... You feel like they know you. You feel like they understand you and that they get you. And it's just, they're saying the right things Mm -hmm. to the right person, to a vulnerable
1: person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I never met anybody in person, thank God. Yeah. But it was like, I was like having all of this attention Mm -hmm. and it felt good. Not saying that my parents didn't give us attention, Mm -hmm. but it was more like, from the opposite sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was my relationship with my dad for a long time was very business transaction like mm-hmm. so it was only if like I needed something or like he asked me to do something that was like this extent of our interaction until I moved away for school and then I got better
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like with my mom like I love my mom to bits it was more like you need to know how to be a strong independent person woman so that you can take care of yourself right it was not there was never any like like unconditional I want to say and these chat rooms like made it feel like I it was unconditional it was something you had never experienced before Mhm. Yeah. and like I didn't have to hide that I thought about sex
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that you were interested yeah and so like I ended up exchanging emails with a couple of these guys and we would sext over email Mm -hmm. because we didn't have a phone (laughs) no it was different back then yeah Yeah. and like (laughs) yeah so we would like during the day we would sext over email Mm -hmm. and it was like writing a story yeah right Mm -hmm. like having your fantasies played out um and then they would write their half like mm-hmm. and you would cool go back and forth yeah yeah um <laughs> so and then when i would get home and sign on it would be like immediate transaction mm-hmm. like there was no like waiting for the email to come through and like no. trying and to figure out what you write. Uh,
0: gratification when you were 14 a pretty significant event took place can you tell us about it and how it
1: went <laughs> yeah i lost my virginity at 14 to my best guy friend or oh. who I thought was my best guy friend at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually in the on a soccer field. Oh. At the park by my house. Interesting. Matt, if you're watching, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my brother. Oh. Um, he's like, Didn't need to know that. Yeah, it was at night and like it was over pretty fast. Like <laughs> normal first times are and then after that was just kind of like a normal thing with us like we were he we were really close like he knew that I was like struggling with self-harm and depression Mm -hmm. and he was always there for me like he was over at my house every day my dad treated him like another son
0: Hmm.
1: clearly he didn't know what was happening yeah right
0: soccer field
1: (laughs) (laughs) and in the empty house across the street Oh my gosh, you
0: guys!
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we when okay, so we moved into a new development, and oh, okay, they had just finished building like the houses across the street,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they would leave the back doors unlocked when the crew left for the day. Yeah, so like, yeah, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
0: that kind of like opened up your sexual experiences. Mm-hmm, yeah, so. After that, did you, like, move on to, like, dating
1: people and, like... So, I always thought I was never really allowed to date.
0: Oh, okay.
1: There was never any discussion around it, but mm-hmm. I always got the feeling that I wasn't allowed to date. It would be a fat no yeah. if you would have tried. hmm Huh. So, as far as my parents knew, he was <laughs> a really good friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was still pretty innocent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but i was actually kind of disappointed right because i had like built this app in my head for so long i've read like all of these different books mm-hmm. even though they were fiction mm-hmm. and like i had thought that my first time was going to be like this amazing magical thing like yeah. i'm sure all girls do there's gonna do. be
0: a canopy over the
1: bed and there's gonna be candles and rose right. petals and also that. didn't expect to lose my virginia at 14 so yeah, there's that <laughs>
0: yeah no kidding i'm sure you're probably i mean coming from a religious standpoint too you're probably like i'm gonna
1: wait till marriage mm-hmm.
0: and then one thing led to another and yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and i feel like i always say that i never really went through a rebellious stage or not but maybe that was my rebellious stage was right. that i rebelled against this religious upbringing by losing my virginity so early Mm -hmm. from being on these messaging groups and Mm -hmm. for meeting random guys in downtown Toronto. Don't ever do that.
0: Uh (laughs) I know people from Toronto and they've kind of told me like very similar things. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It got to the point where like, my friend was with me, and we made an excuse to, like, go to the gas station to get a drink or whatever, and mm-hmm. she called her sister, because her sister drove at that point to, like, yeah. come and get us. Because we were, were in this really bad situation, and we needed to get out, and, like, didn't think I could call my parents. No. You probably didn't have
0: money for a taxi. Like...
1: No. We were, like, four, 16, maybe. Yeah, you had nothing. Nothing. No. So, <laughs> like, how else are you going to get yeah. out? But yeah i was really disappointed and but because he was such a good friend it allowed me to kind of like explore right more Mm -hmm. and like get to know that sensation of like being pleasured and like pleasuring my partner
0: yeah um i mean there's still people that don't know that exists mm -hmm. who are in marriages for like years and
1: years and years so (laughs) and i'm kind of glad that that happened at such a young age because we could fumble through it Mm -hmm. and like we could still laugh it off absolutely and there was no pressure there was no pressure Mm -hmm. really did suck and i like the first time i realized that people aren't really who they say they are is Mm -hmm. when i asked him like while i told him like i either wanted this to like you only see me and like we actually make this official or Mm -hmm. like I don't want to have sex with you anymore and we go back to being friends yeah and I never heard from him again oh my gosh so like he like I opened my heart to this guy like he knew my struggles he was there for me he Mm -hmm. actually saved my life a couple times Mm -hmm. and then to have this cut off he broke your heart in a way too in a way that you weren't expecting at all Mm mm-hmm But again, like he was my first, right? Yeah. And I feel like we're all very attached to our first. Absolutely.
0: When you were 18, you had another big
1: move. Where did you end up and why did you go there? (laughs) I moved, I actually got accepted to UBCO. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Kelowna when I was 18. Yeah, my mom jokes about it to this day. She's like, I sent you there for four years and it's been 16 years this year. <laughs> and you never came and back. And I never went back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I enjoy Kelowna. I think it most closely represents Cape Town. Oh, interesting, weather-wise. Weather-wise, yeah. it's very mild mm-hmm. winters, very mm-hmm. hot summers. The only thing is that it's small yes. <laughs> compared to what I was used to. Yeah. I came from Toronto. I'd be downtown like every weekend.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd meet
1: my dad there on his lunch break someday if I got off school early.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Here, there's really not much. It's grown a
0: lot yeah. since you moved here, obviously. And like, even I remember as a teen, like growing up in Vernon and even when my husband and I got together, I think I was 19. Yeah, it would have been... I remember we went out for, like, hot chocolate once because that was really all there was to do. <laughs> and we we did all the things. So there was, like, we went bowling. We went for walks. We went for hot chocolate. We went to movies. Right. We went for dinner. There was, like, five mm-hmm. things you could do and, like, a handful of restaurants we could afford <laughs> at the time. And, yeah.
1: Like, it was... like it, it's better now. Mm-hmm. But when I first moved here, it was very much still a retirement town. Yeah. So there was, like unless you wanted to go with a movie every weekend, like, Mm -hmm. or go bowling, like you said, like, there's very... It was limiting. I guess you had to find a new friend group, like, right away. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually funny. So, my best friend and I met the first weekend we moved here. So, she moved up from White Rock, and Mm -hmm. I moved from Toronto, and I was kind of dating this guy at the time like it was very long distance because he lived in Vancouver Mm -hmm. and him and another friend came up for a wedding one weekend and his friend knew my best friend and I knew him and all four of us got together at Denny's and we had breakfast and that's Mm -hmm. how I met her and neither one of us talks to those two anymore but the two of us stayed friends yeah and I just kind of like clung on to her Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's not allowed to leave me now
0: (laughs) no no she's stuck for life she's stuck for life now that we're on the topic of your bestie (laughs) she started dating a guy that attended a church service can you tell us a little bit about what happened in this time of your life
1: yeah so she was dating somebody who went to a live at willow park i'm not sure if you're familiar no it was like a very young adult uh geared service okay and it was one of the first times that when she dragged me to it, that mm-hmm. I saw a live band
0: in a okay. church
1: service. Yeah. And people were standing and like enjoying themselves with worship. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just did this hand motion. I'm sorry. Like, my, <laughs> the church that I went to had two services. They had a, I hate saying, an old person service. They did a very
1: like traditional, the early morning. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then they had 11 a.m. service and it was. Live band that was like mixed with like teenagers and other right like youth leaders and stuff, and this hand motion, I don't know where or why it came. Like, (laughs) where did this come from? Basically, people will stand there with their palms up Mm
2: -hmm. and like like,
0: hands up to the sky, like raising the roof. But they're really trying to say that like they're they're
1: worshiping God and like feeling yeah, it's like the open palm is like yeah inviting whatever Spirit. like you're ready to accept whatever yeah. god has for you i am
0: not religious anymore but i still think like i always just remember looking over and being like what the
1: heck are they doing it's like... the very first service i ever went to i was like okay this is a little weird yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so tell us a little bit more about the service and it took a while but after that i started going with her and she became a christian first mm-hmm. and then i kind of followed
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and then reaccepted accepted into my life and
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's where I met a lot of my friends built another support group mm-hmm. and I didn't feel so alone in a new city anymore it no. was refreshing probably yeah. yeah and to be myself mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. not without any like restrictions from family mm-hmm. or responsibilities yeah. and it was Also, probably not the greatest thing, (laughs) being so far away from family, Mm -hmm. because I did struggle in my first two years of university. I, like, all of a sudden had all of this freedom, and I didn't have a strict schedule. Right. Nobody cared if I went to school. Nobody cared if I studied. Or if you went out drinking. Or if
0: I went out drinking. Or dancing till 5 (laughs) a.m.
1: I get it. I get it. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Like, nobody cared what I prioritized my time with so I like failed my first two years of university yeah and yeah I started like sleeping around more I guess Mm -hmm. because I felt like such a failure right and I needed something or someone to like revalidate me that I wasn't that I made it this far yeah that I could do it
0: oh it's interesting because that is it is a hundred percent like searching for validation and searching Mm -hmm. for something to make you feel okay. Right. Even if it's two
1: seconds. Right. (laughs) And then like it got to the point where like, I wasn't, I was also feeling guilty about it because I was hiding it. Mm-hmm. from my friends and from my best friend you couldn't talk about that with i could christians
0: about <laughs> Whew, that would have been <laughs> a hot topic yeah
1: i started throwing myself more into the church yeah and into young know, adult groups and it got to the point where we were going to like a different church every weekend that is quite the lifestyle oh my gosh we would go to one church saturday night and then sunday morning it would be a different church And there was, I think, even, like, a Wednesday night service that we would go to. Mm -hmm. And, like, that became my life. Like, that was how I kind of distracted myself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's how you coped
0: Mm -hmm. with so much going on. Yeah. 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 So, obviously, throughout your story, we've talked about (laughs) the stigma of sex, becoming a sexual human being, Mm -hmm. sexuality, all that kind of stuff. So... At this stage in your life, you're attending church, but you started dating a non-Christian. Can you tell us more in depth about this relationship and what it brought you to?
1: So he was actually, he started off as a roommate. (laughs) That's lovely. And he had a girlfriend when we were living together. Then like they broke up, but we like all three of us were still living together. And then Mm we realized that we had a lot in common and we started hooking up Mm -hmm. and then dating found out later that he was still dating her oh (laughs) during Ah. this whole thing rough (laughs) yeah so but i mean now i'm kind of grateful Mm -hmm. for how he came into my life and like that he was in my life back then it was it sucked it's a lot to go through it sucked a lot because i we were always in this back and forth and i had lost some friends because they, because he was a non-Christian mm-hmm. and they didn't like that we were going back and forth of being together and not being together. Mm-hmm. But he was also the one that introduced me to BDSM and kink. Mm-hmm. And another part of myself that um, I didn't realize was there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, There's a lot of freedom in like BDSM. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, you have to be able to, like, let go of that control. Yeah. Which is so hard.
0: (laughs) Yes. I have a lot of friends that are into the whole community in the Okanagan, BC, whatever. I know that there's dungeons around here. (laughs) (laughs) I know that there is meetups. I know that Mm -hmm. there is meetups where people play, which Mm -hmm. is not even anything like actually no sex happening nope they just like whip each other (laughs)
1: yeah it's just it's like playing out like acting out a scene there's so much like it's therapy it can be a form of therapy if you're willing to let go of that control Mm -hmm. which a lot of it's hard for a lot of people
0: Mm -hmm. and again it's taboo it's very taboo yeah and some people won't be nice about it if you tell them about it
1: yes It's a part that I feel like I still have to hide, especially like dating now Mm -hmm. and getting to know somebody new because there is a lot of stigma around it, because it is seen as abusive. A lot of people have hid behind the BDSM and kink label and just been abusive. Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
0: And of course, like going back to porn and stuff too, you don't see partners asking each other is this okay Mm -hmm. they don't see them planning it out beforehand they don't see any of that stuff you don't see the before and after
1: no you don't see the aftercare no after or the discussion of safe words I was just about to say that there's no one screaming pineapple halfway yeah (laughs) there's a lot of conversation that goes into a scene before the scene actually happens and you don't see any of that no
0: And again, like, at this point, you're with this non-Christian and you're still having some Christian friends at this point. You can't tell them about this. Yeah. You can't tell anyone jack shit (laughs) about your life. And that's sad. You should be able to, like, you know, with your close friends and stuff, not say, like, what you're doing or whatever,
1: but, like, to have the people around you know. Like, feel safe enough to have that conversation. Yeah. Even, like... Hey, I'm going here. If you don't hear from me, like, freaking text me, call me, yeah. show up. Here's the address. Yeah. Right. Like.
0: There's all these like little things that you should be comfortable telling at least a couple people, and mm-hmm. I feel like
1: you probably weren't. Hey. No, I yeah. didn't have that. I mean, I have that now. Like. Yeah. I've my best friend had Ev- and I have had some really good conversations, and like. She would have been there for me back then Mm -hmm. if I had opened up. But again, like we were so in this religion Mm -hmm. and like going to church and like we were part of the church. We ran like young adult groups. Yeah. And like we knew the head pastors. whole life. (laughs) (laughs) When you don't know how the other person is going to
0: take it. And your life is literally centered around church. So after you broke up with this guy... A pretty significant life event
1: that altered a lot of things in your life happened Mm -hmm. and would you mind sharing that with us? so my dad passed away in 2010 Mm -hmm. and it was so sudden like Mm -hmm. I was in the I was just starting final exams for the semester and my brother texted me he's like I'm at the hospital with dad I'll call you later I was like, what? Yeah. You can't say that and then not follow it up. Mm-hmm. So I called him and he didn't answer. And I, so my mom called me after that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she told me that my dad had had a heart attack in his sleep. Oh my gosh. And that my brother was someone that had found him. Wow. I've, I never really talk about this, but mm-hmm. there was like some guilt around it mm. because <clears throat> I had the option of staying in Toronto and going to school. And I feel like if I had stayed, maybe it could have been prevented, which is so not true.
0: It's just how our brains work. Yeah. It
1: it sucks. It really sucks how our
0: brains literally bully us into thinking... That we could prevent it or stop (sighs) it. And it's just not... It's not the truth. Yeah. You know, even if it wouldn't have happened at that time, that probably would have happened at a different time. Mm Mm-hmm. So never feel bad about it I always have to tell people I'm like don't feel bad about it my brain does the same things to me yeah all the time I'm like what if what if you can't live off of what ifs
1: yeah I think a lot of it had to do with like my brother was still so young and he was the one that found him like I would rather have it been me yeah and me take on that trauma yeah and those Memories and the, responsibility. and the responsibility,
0: yeah, absolutely, of that because mm-hmm. he was
1: still in high school, he was still a teenager at the time. Yeah. Of course, you go get thinking, like, I should be there more for my family. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been so selfish. Like, mm-hmm. why did I put myself first and like choose the school I did? But my dad was actually the one that told me to do what I felt I needed to do, he knew that I wanted to pick bc Mm -hmm. over the other schools and he told me that i should
0: so So you had his blessing Mm -hmm. you had his encouragement and that's what should matter right at this point right yeah Yeah. it's what you wanted and he was
1: happy for you to do that i don't like so the guilt centered with like all the anger Mm -hmm. of like god taking away my dad yeah and then people say no he's in a better place right now how do you know Or like I'm praying for you. Well, what does that do? Like I want my dad back. Can you give me my dad back? No.
0: And prayer is not support. Yeah. Prayer is not calling someone and being like, Hey, do you want to go for coffee today? Mm -hmm. Do you want to go for lunch today? Or just how are you doing walk?
1: How are you doing? What do you you need? Yeah. I know they were trying to be helpful. And Mm -hmm. that was maybe the only way they thought that they could be Yeah. And it's what child. they were taught to do in that situation.
0: Yeah. Is that you just pray really hard for someone and it'll get better. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's kind of like pushing it under the rug and hoping like yeah. nobody lifts it up anymore. After that, I pulled away again. Mm-hmm. Cause I just couldn't. Like, how could you sit there and tell me like, my dad's in a better place? The mm-hmm. better place would be here yeah. with his kids. Like watching his kids grow up.
0: Yeah. And passing away. And he's like 90. Just... Yeah, you know, naturally. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fell asleep, didn't wake up. No suffering, you right.
1: know. Yeah, like after he could meet his grandkids, when he could like yeah. see his children get married, walk his daughter down the aisle.
0: All of these things that like all of these things. you didn't get because of this happening. Yeah, like prayer doesn't bring that back, or yeah. religion, or believing in God. It doesn't bring any it of back. that back. So you left, and. I guess probably feeling like pretty angsty about things with that for a
1: while. Right? I was angry. Okay. <laughs> I was so angry because I couldn't, again, I couldn't understand why people would tell me these things. Where, like, in my heart, I was hurting mm-hmm. and I was grieving. And, like, nobody had ever lost a parent in my friend group before that. Not in that way.
0: No, um, it's unfair.
1: I saw, like, all of these father-daughter dances or, like, the Happy Father's Day messages. Mm -hmm. And his birthday is within the same weekend as Father's Day. Every time I would see something that had to do with a father-daughter or, like, Father's Day, I would get more angry Mm -hmm. and more pissed off. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, I just... I couldn't anymore. Like, how do you... Maintain this like happy facade and like the person that you just started a new relationship with like we just got a know relationship back mm-hmm. to where it was more like father daughter and like more supportive and like he like he was my first call when I failed my first exam and like he was always so supportive mm-hmm. like, how do you move on from that of not I would pick up the phone after and go to call him and then realize that I can't. I would just replay, like, I would call and just, like, listen to his voicemail.
0: That's a really normal thing. A lot of people will do stuff like that or just, like, try to find remnants of
1: their voice. Right? Yeah. I was so afraid that I was going to forget what he sounded like. I actually recorded his voicemail and I still have it it's oh, on my Good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like, if I ever do have kids, I want them to like to at least know. know what their grandfather sounded like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that sounds so sad.
0: At some point after your father had passed away and you had left church and it had been a little while, your bestie thought it would be a good idea for you to try out going to a service again. Mm-hmm. And how did all of that go?
1: It was interesting. Mm -hmm. It was my first introduction to substance use addicts. Oh. Because we went to a teen challenge chapel service one Wednesday morning when we both didn't have classes. Mm -hmm. And I had never been around ex-addicts before. Mm -hmm. So it was very Mm eye-opening. Yeah, we went and then it kind of went a couple more times after that and i met like some really amazing guys and they do this thing where they go to different churches Mm -hmm. like once a month they'll try out like one church and then they'll switch it up the next month Um, christian mingle (laughs) literally (laughs) (laughs) so like they started coming to the church that we considered our home church and Mm -hmm. we would see them every sunday we would go. If they were allowed to, we'd go out for dinner after the service Mm because it was, like, a Sunday night young adult service. So back then, like, all of the churches got together and created what was known as sports in the park. So we would set up, like, a volleyball net on the grassy area. Mm -hmm. And there would be barbecues and, like... A community thing. A community thing. All the young adults would come. Like, we would open it up to, like, non-Christians too because it was a way to witness to people and to um like invite them in without it being like come to church yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and I enjoyed it it was very relaxed atmosphere and it wasn't very judgy everybody was welcome Mm -hmm. and
0: yeah and that's where he met (laughs) A person. A person <laughs> who would later become my husband. So this relationship, like you said, <laughs> turned into your husband, turned into a marriage, but it had a lot of flaws and ups and downs. So can you expand on the things that happened and
1: how you felt during this marriage? Mm-hmm. Being like so entrenched in the church, it was... Everyone around me was getting married. All of my friends were getting married and having kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was, for me, there was this big mentality of, well, what's wrong with me then?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm not, I'm not even interested in marriage. Like I, I didn't think that I was ready. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like the next natural step
2: mm-hmm. to take
1: in my life. I was in my mid-20s at that point and you were probably hanging out with people that I've been married for like five years already yeah well like for a couple years yeah Yeah. because they had all like just started getting married it's like this pressure to date to find the one that God has like sent to planned for you that was always meant to be yours and so when we started dating that's what I felt because I had been praying for my husband and he made the most sense, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? Like, we didn't have anything in common, so I was like, why would my God bring this person into my life if Mm -hmm. he wasn't meant to be my husband? And, like, at the time, it felt right.
0: Mm -hmm. It
1: felt like...
0: And when everyone around you is telling you as well, and, like, oh, you guys just look so cute together. What's the next step? Can't wait (laughs) till you have babies. And I remember
1: being... (laughs) on a sushi date with a friend and they're like why why what about him like why not him yeah and I was like I don't know I don't know why not him it just seemed like the next step was to start dating because we had been friends for a while already at that point
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we had been talking on Facebook Messenger
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so he asked me out on a date and I said yes and then That's all she wrote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So after a year or so, you got
1: engaged. Yeah. On our one-year anniversary, he proposed. Oh wow. Were you expecting it? I kind of was. Yeah. We kind of rebelled a little bit, and he moved in. Oh, hot topic. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Three or a couple months before we got engaged. Yeah. But like we were paying rent at both places.
0: It's too expensive. And it
1: was too expensive. Yeah. And he was over all the time anyways. So Mm -hmm. we're like, you know what? We know we're getting married. Mm -hmm. Why not just move in? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then nine months later, you got married. Yep. Nine Mm -hmm. months later, we got married. Mm -hmm. And you started a whole new journey with fertility.
1: With fertility. Yeah. Yeah. A year after we got married, we decided that we wanted to start having kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which again is like the next the next step, step right yeah, yeah and of course you want to have kids mm-hmm. because there's no other option why wouldn't you no I have always wanted kids I just never knew i have always wanted them naturally
0: right like you could my adopt biological and, and yeah be
1: happy you could foster to adopt and right there are so yeah. many kids in the foster system and here are waiting for adoption mm-hmm. and it's so sad but then we like we tried for another year Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to get pregnant and we couldn't went through all of the testing
0: which is a lot mentally physically and then i'm sure you had the people around you too being like still asking when are you having kids Mm -hmm. when are you having kids why aren't you pregnant yet
1: you guys have been married for two years now (sighs) when are you having little ones It's so
0: inappropriate (laughs) to ask that stuff. It drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, Yeah. And then
1: like you see all the pregnancy announcements on Facebook and you're like, why? Like, am I being punished? Yeah. What did I do? Like, what did I do? To deserve this. When is it my turn? Yep. So went through all the testing, found out that I don't ovulate. Hmm. And this is interesting because I've told people this and they're like, but you get a period every month. Doesn't matter. I was like, yes, but there's no egg in that lining. Mm -hmm. Like, you, your period is just your lining shedding, Mm -hmm. right? That's all it is. Mm -hmm. So, you can get a period whether you ovulate or not. I think people aren't educated enough on that, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. And because I am diabetic, they refuse to put me on fertility meds right away.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So, I. Had to bring down my sugars Mm -hmm. to where they thought it was great and also lose like a certain amount of weight. Like, I had to bring down my BMI, Mm -hmm. which is hard too. When you have like endometriosis or PCOS, losing weight is near impossible. Yeah, plus add on diabetes. Yeah. It's not as easy
0: as you think it is. And I don't know. I I, I get quite upset when people are like,
1: just eat less, work out more. I'm like, if you say that to me, I'm going to (laughs) punch you in the face. But like, (laughs) so if I just ate less, I wouldn't be eating. I barely ate and I still wasn't losing weight. And at this point I had my trainer and I was working out for five, six, seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. Which isn't good for you either. No. (laughs) So, we tried for a few more years after that. I think in total, we tried for just under or just over seven years.
0: It's a long time. long
1: time to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the ovulation testing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the tracking cycles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like he had a few health issues too. Mm-hmm. But and this pissed me off like his health issues weren't seen as that important to treat
2: mm-hmm
1: before fertility meds hmm like sleep apnea hmm. <laughs> but it was all it was all you because I was the one that would have to carry the baby
0: so after a while there were a lot of changes in your marriage between the two of you with yourselves can you tell us a little bit more about that and give us a little bit of a deeper insight
1: yeah so like I wanted to grow and change and he was content.
0: Where he was. Where
1: he was. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go out more and see my friends. At this point, both of my close friends had kids, mm. and I wanted to be more in their life. I also just wanted to be more social. Yeah. Like I was, I could feel myself slipping into another depression, and when I do that, I isolate. Right. And it's not a good thing.
0: No. And you were noticing these things. So you were trying to change it.
1: And so I would go out and like with my friends and their husbands would be there. And it always would be, where's your husband? What's he doing? I'm like, oh, he's just like chilling at home. And like, we didn't really do much together either. Well, Um, you said before that you guys didn't actually have that much in
0: common. It was just like feeling that he was and from god and everybody around
1: you kind of that pressure Mm -hmm. and he was also significantly older than me he's about 12 years older so his like interests
0: so different
1: and views are so different and he is very much you know like conservative christian and i'm just not i'm all that you do you whatever makes you happy (laughs) like and there's just a lot of judgment from him
2: mm-hmm.
1: I remember one of our biggest arguments was on his birthday I had booked us a hotel room in Soyuz, mm-hmm. and we went there for the weekend and he was reading this article about an LGBTQ youth and I went I said something about like our kids being gay and he got Mad. Oh, my God. And it was like, well, my kid would never. I was like, you, you know can't know. know that. No. And then I told him, <laughs> if it ever comes down to it, I would pick our kids over you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, my job as a parent is to prioritize my kids' mental health and their safety.
0: Yeah. And as a parent, you shouldn't care what your kid's
1: sexuality is. Nope not at all like my (sighs) I would love them unconditionally Mm -hmm. no matter what I don't care and he didn't like that Mm -mm. and I feel like that's when like our marriage really started to break down Mm -hmm. where I noticed more of the differences and the changes Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like like I said I wanted to grow I wanted to start taking my health more seriously Mm -hmm. physical and mental um and I wanted to like start trying to build a future for like any kids we would have Mm -hmm. so uh, that's when I got into like writing because I wanted like another stream of income that's when I started selling our bond because I wanted like another stream of income where Mm -hmm. like I didn't have to worry about finances Mm -hmm. because we like I grew up when my brother and I grew up, like, not poor, but, I mean, like, we had, like, meals and, like, a roof over our head. was
0: able to immigrate to Canada. That yeah. This is a lot, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, but, like, we weren't rich. Like, we yeah. weren't well off. No. Like, that money came from my mom's, like,
0: mm-hmm. when
1: she left her work.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, they worked hard for what they had.
1: hmm And you
0: wanted to work hard for something for you.
1: Right. Yeah. And he just wasn't at that point. He would rather sit on the couch and, and just, like just be. Just live day to day. Yeah. And that was okay with him. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he a couple of years into our marriage he was diagnosed with sleep apnea. We got him a sleep apnea machine. He never used it. mm and you drive me bonkers. <laughs> like, all I wanted was for him to prioritize his health. I don't know if anybody knows this, but a side not a really side effect, but what could happen with sleep apnea if it's not treated is you could die from a heart attack in your sleep.
0: And you have been through that. I've
1: been through that with my dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't want to wake up one morning to a dead husband. That's so scary he didn't understand that he couldn't understand that because to him it was just like oh I wake up fine every morning yeah like a little tired like fall asleep randomly
0: but the whole point of having was it a CPAP machine Mm -hmm. the whole point of having that is to improve your life yep even though you wake up feeling okay it doesn't mean everything's
1: okay like we would go on a movie date and he would fall asleep in the theater Oh, my gosh. And not just fall asleep, but, like, snore. Oh, no. Or, like, when we were at, like, birthday parties okay. for friends, he would, like, fall asleep Christmas. That's so embarrassing. Like, so,
0: at some point last year, you booked a boudoir shoot with another photographer. Yeah. Before you knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know who it is, and she's great. So, <laughs> So, something happened
1: when you told him about this what went down he got really mad that I hadn't asked him first permission permission Mm -hmm. yeah and he also this was after I'd gotten my tattoo sleeve finished right or mostly finished Mm -hmm. and I came home and it was wrapped and then he got mad because I didn't ask him or tell him that I was gonna go get my sleeve done the thing is, is that I had saved up for this for months. It's a beautiful sleeve, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it came out of my page, like we had joint accounts, mm-hmm. but it came out of my paycheck. Mm-hmm. So it didn't interfere with our like family finances. Mm-hmm. We were still able to pay all our bills. Mm-hmm. It was just something that I wanted to do. Like ink tattoos are like ink therapy for me.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I fall asleep.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually, I told Chelsea this, who's another brand ambassador, mm-hmm. that I fall asleep during tattoos, mm-hmm. and she didn't believe me. And when we went to go get our flash tattoos together, mm-hmm. I fell asleep. Oh yeah, yeah. You posted
0: about it in the Facebook group. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny.
1: She's like, okay, that's yeah. weird. Coming from somebody who has self harmed, tattoos are therapeutic and they're art.
0: Yes. You walk out with something beautiful. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Instead of scars.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. So Booking the shoot was really one of the catalysts of you
1: leaving. The tattoo yeah. and the shoot. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I'd never noticed it before mm-hmm. or I just didn't want to believe it, but he would call me names under his breath when I... He thought I wasn't around or I Mm -hmm. couldn't hear him. Mm -hmm. And nobody would believe me when I told them Mm -hmm. that, like, my husband calls me these names. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and, like, this is jumping forward quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But the night I left, my best friend and two of my other close friends were over Mm -hmm. to help me get out. And they heard him. Oh, as he walked by and that was the first time that i felt not validated but like that i was doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and that like maybe now somebody would believe me that our marriage wasn't like what we made it out to look like because on the outside we looked like we were fine
0: you don't know what happens
1: behind closed doors so
0: was there like a final straw kind of thing or did you just decide one day that it was it and you were out
1: I don't know if there was like one thing mm-hmm. I think it was all just like building mm-hmm. over time and like I knew that I wasn't doing well
2: mm-hmm.
1: when I hid from my best friend
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I she would call and I would ignore her calls mm-hmm and she actually ended up showing up. She's like, that's not going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what to do. She knew. Yeah. And, like, I would... Again, like, I used books as a coping mechanism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would read, like, 200 books a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> like, it got to the point where, like, it was bad. Yeah. Like, re- generally, reading i find is like pretty healthy Mm -hmm. but when it comes to hiding from your life Mm -hmm. reading because you don't want to deal with reality yeah and having to face that Mm -hmm. maybe my marriage is over
0: yeah and then the one day you just
1: ended it yeah we were he had texted me and he's like i don't know if i can do this anymore Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i don't know if i was like so overtired That night, or, like, just felt, like, this confidence all of a sudden. But Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Oh, you did it. Yeah. Did it feel good? It did. It was all over text. That's so crazy. But then he came home. Mm -hmm. And, like, he wanted to have a conversation. But I felt like he was talking at me. Yeah. Not to me. Yeah. Even though he had just said what he said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I... I just sat there
2: Mm -hmm. and I
1: listened to him like yell at me and like tell me that I wasn't a good wife. Mm -hmm. And this was after I heard him call me um, like I see you next Tuesday under his breath.
0: You can say it if you want to. (laughs) It doesn't bug me. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where, of course, this isn't the same, but like I, I quit a job over. I had two people in a week call me that and I knew that I wasn't and I was like am I crazy or you know sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me. But they do. But but they do especially when you are already in a vulnerable state. There's one thing of like you let the words fly when you're with your friends and stuff and you say ridiculous things but when it's serious
1: and it hurts and coming from somebody who's supposed to love you yeah that's the worst
2: yeah
1: and like who says those things when they think you're not listening or you're not there i know it's like imagine what else exactly and that's all that was running through my head is like what else has he said about me
0: yeah so your friends came and saved
1: you that night hey yep and then I still hadn't like said anything to him like I didn't have the words so Laura Cheyenne and Chelsea were Mm -hmm. they came over Cheyenne brought dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cheyenne from, she was the previous
0: brand ambassador and she was the one who, I think she was probably gonna be the last podcast episode before that. And Chelsea is another brand ambassador. I haven't met Laura, but I'm sure, I mean, Cheyenne's brought wonderful
1: people into my life. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure
0: I will meet her at some point too. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's
1: amazing. The three of them like rallied around, mm-hmm. helped me get my a bag packed. I hadn't didn't know where I was gonna go. That's the hardest part. But my, another friend offered her son's bedroom to me. Oh,
0: that's Until amazing. I could find a
1: place. So yeah. I pretty much like couch surfed for a month. You
0: never think that's going to happen when you're in your thirties. Yeah. And you're established and
1: you're married and all of right. this stuff. But yeah, nobody gets married with the plan to get divorced. Or anything oh. bad happen. I knew that we had covered up issues so much when I told my mom, and she was shocked. People don't expect she had it. No idea, like what was happening.
0: So at the beginning of this podcast and throughout it, we have talked about your love of books and reading. <laughs> and you just mentioned a few minutes ago that you had started writing when things had gotten bad, mm-hmm. and you wanted to create more for yourself. So can you tell us about becoming a writer and your journey with your career? Because you have you've published stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: it's so quite cool. a few. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, I've always loved writing. It's always been an outlet for me. Mm -hmm. I communicate better through pen and pencil than I do with words, like talking.
0: Yeah. Well, you're doing great today, so. (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) When, like, that whole situation was going on, I needed a way to, as an outlet. Mm -hmm. So my, and my books became that. Not only, like, a creative outlet, but, like sexual yeah Elliot all my books are pretty smutty spicy <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like I think of it as everything leading up to it like all of the like chat rooms and the sexting emails yeah. have like it was all writing it was all writing it like yeah. led me to this point point. and even
0: if it wasn't you as Andrea like yeah if you were playing a character if you were pretending to be someone else. It all leads into this current state where you actually get to write for part of your living. Yeah. Which is really, really
1: awesome. Like, I just recently learned that a lot of authors struggle with the spicy scenes in a book. Oh. And meanwhile, I'm like, I got this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Go straight for people. (laughs) I've trained for this pretty much my entire life. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And how many books do you have out there oh at least like 13 14 and then do you usually have like one at a time going
1: or do you write a bit like here and there i write a bit here and there yeah when i first started i think i published three books in a year that's awesome Uh, it's significantly down from that (laughs) Uh, it happens but be like so over covid i like my creativity was just non-existent yeah And then now with the separation, I'm almost scared to get back into it because I don't know what's going to come out (laughs) because it is like also a form of therapy. I've
0: had a lot of people say that coming on the podcast is like therapy. Right. You missed it, but like off off mic, we both had a little cry after (laughs) talking about her dad and all of that kind of stuff. Even for myself, I just love getting to know people and getting to know their stories and I didn't realize until like I started this that I resonate
1: with so many people. Mm-hmm. That
0: we could be so different but so similar. Right. And I feel like that can be the same
1: with books as well. I've met like so many amazing people through this. You journey. have fans and fans <laughs> that I've met. I've met like a few of the readers at yeah. signings, and I'm actually signing in Calgary next year, oh, that's which is so terrifying because yeah. there's some pretty big a-list names on that signing Exciting. list
0: is it like smutcon
1: it's like <laughs> a, like romance invades the rocky mountains oh that's so, so cool. So this year it was in banff yeah. i went as a reader not a writer but i met like some of my favorite authors mm-hmm. and models like book cover models i did not know that was a thing we <laughs> could do that's so cool yeah. <laughs> and i actually like i dragged chelsea with me and now she's hooked she bought like, oh that's
0: what you guys like, went to alberta for yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: so next year is calgary Uh, i'm looking forward to it
0: okay so if people want to
1: find you want to (laughs) find your books where can they find them i'm on amazon and audible as well Mm -hmm. and i think some of my books are on kobo and google books google Uh play and what's your
0: pen name for
1: them andrea joy some of them might be under my old pen name which is aj daniels
0: what's your instagram for your writing
1: Author Andrea Joy. There you go. (laughs) I want to make sure
0: people can find you. And TikTok is the same. (laughs) So now you're 34. You've been through a separation. You thought your life would be a lot different. And you're reframing your life for you and just you. Discovered a lot about yourself and you're rediscovering things. So can you tell us about Mm -hmm. you in the present and where you also thought you'd be at this point?
1: It's so terrifying. <laughs> I'm sure. Like yeah. having to start over at 34. Mm-hmm. And figuring out who I am again mm-hmm. as a single person, not attached to anybody. Yeah. Um, and like I've, since my separation, I've since walked away from the church again. Mm-hmm. Seems like a roller coaster. <laughs> but I this time I don't think I'll ever be going back. So much has happened and a lot of friend like Christian friends have not reached out. That happens a lot unfortunately. Yeah, and I'm yeah. learning how to remove the toxicity mm-hmm. from my life. People who don't add to it. But I thought my life would be a lot different. You thought like, you'd probably have like, I mean, you tried for seven years, so yeah. you thought you'd probably have like a six or seven year old at this point. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. If
1: and we were supposed to start fertility meds next year. My glucose levels are finally at the point where they're stable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've lost weight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, fertility meds and IUI were the next on the list for mm-hmm. 2024. Mm-hmm. And now it's. I don't know (laughs) but does it feel freeing in a way it does it feels like I have a second chance or a third chance interesting yeah to rediscover who I am Mm -hmm. without the influences right and figuring out like what I want out of life Mm -hmm. again like I don't even know if I want kids so yeah yeah I mean, you went through so much trying to go down Do that you. path. And it's traumatic. It is. I have a great career now. Mm-hmm. I just got hired on with Interior Health for next month.
0: Woohoo! I didn't know <laughs> if you got the job or not. <laughs> yeah, So exciting. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: just all of these new and exciting things. And it's for me. The thing that I first struggled with was that I didn't have to ask anybody. Oh, I didn't have to run anything by anybody
2: mm-hmm.
1: or like worry how it would affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. It was, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, And the same with like my sexuality, I can rediscover BDSM again and kink.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Without shame. Without shame.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And with somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Who's...
0: I won't shame Into. you
1: hard for it yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And the community is amazing. Like the lifestyle community. Yeah. They're so supportive yeah. and protective.
0: Like it might not be my lifestyle, but like I said before, I have a lot of friends that are in it and they're all really awesome. And I've met a lot of people through those people. Yeah, And guess what? We don't talk about that stuff because it's not my lifestyle. Right. But we're still it's great fine.
1: people. Yeah.
0: Right? Like, like it's ugh. not, I feel like
1: enough feel like a lot of people think that, oh, if you're in the lifestyle, you must like it must be your life 24 seven. And for some people, yes, mm-hmm. that's true, but or they're not gonna just... like rub it in your face. Yeah,
0: or they're just like weird and freaky. And like, no. why would
1: you wanna like be around these people? Honestly, the most normal looking people are probably into some kinky stuff.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a boudoir photographer. I've heard some shit. Like, <laughs> I know people look at me and like, you're so innocent. Like, <laughs> you knew. Yeah, they've been so supportive, and I really appreciate that. Like, I can explore and be myself. And- mm-hmm live life for andrea so we've
0: reached the end of andrea's little timeline there <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for coming here thanks for having of me. of course and i get to see you again next week for our solo photo Yeah, shows. i'm so excited <laughs> me too uh, so basically my brand ambassadors are all coming in for their own studio session which i haven't done it this way in a really long time so i'm very very stoked And it's going to be so good. So you can look for her photos on my Instagram, pillowtalk.studios. And please go buy her books. (laughs) Andrea Joy, author. Thank you. (laughs) And everybody have a fantastic, I don't know, weekend, day, night, whatever time you're listening to this. (laughs) Bye.
2: Bye. (laughs)